Active FM presents Food for Thoughts with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Ensley. We're continuing with our new series, The Secret to a Life of Miracles. And today the sermon's entitled, What Does God Reveal to Christians? Now, the key passage for this whole series is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, which says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and, destroy, and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And from last week, we looked at what is a stronghold. It's anything that we trust other than God. I want you to realize God only has two aims with people. The first is that they get saved. The first is that they're going to live forever with Him in glory. And the second is uh, once they're saved, that they become just like Jesus. Now, what does it mean to be just like Jesus? And Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12, He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Now that's a huge challenge. He says, anyone that believes in me will do the same works I've done, and even greater works because I'm going to, do, to, to be with the Father. Now one of the things that the enemy has, has successfully um, fooled people into believing is that to be like Jesus is boring. Okay, so it's boring to go to a funeral and raise someone from the dead. It's boring to go into a hospital and pray for someone who has a terminal illness and see them being healed. It's boring to tell a storm to stop and it stops. Even the wind and the waves obey your words. Yes, it's boring to speak and everyone wants to hear what you've got to say. All of those things, yes, they're boring. No, I don't mean they're boring. I'm, I'm being sarcastic when I say that. But in order to, do, to, to be like Jesus, there's got to be power. And to be like Jesus, we are the people that know the Father because we know Jesus. We know the Father. We know the creator of the universe. One encounter with Jesus, we've met the Father. The second thing we saw that we are the people who do even bigger miracles than Jesus. Even bigger miracles than Jesus. I want you to think about that. That's what Jesus said. The third thing we saw was that we are the people that see God do what we ask Him to do in prayer. Any prayer we pray, any time we ask Him for anything, He does it. John 14, verse 13 and 14, I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. I want you to take note of it. I want you to take note of what a supernatural life looks like. I want you to take note of what a life looks like when we live it with the wisdom of Almighty God. That we don't have to fight like the world fights. In fact, if we fight like the world fights, we've already lost the battle. The battle's already gone. We have to live life with wisdom. Now, when you use this word wisdom, many people use this word wisdom, and so I thought we'd look at the definition of wisdom according to the dictionary. And the dictionary defines wisdom as a noun, and it says, the quality or state of being wise, sagacity, discernment, or insight. 
It also describes it as scholarly knowledge or learning. So in other words, you're like a university professor or something. It also describes it as wise sayings or teachings, precepts. A wise act or saying is the fourth definition. That's from the freedictionary.com. So many times when the world thinks about wisdom, that's what people think of. But I want to tell you the Bible has a different definition. And the Bible's definition can be found in, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, and this is from the Passion Translation because I just love the way that it puts it. It says, the starting point for acquiring wisdom. Okay, the starting point. In other words, if you don't start here, you don't have wisdom. If you don't start here, wisdom isn't even close to you. If you don't know God, you have no wisdom. The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh. That's a Hebrew word for God. The starting point is to be consumed with awe as you worship God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One. If you don't have a revelation of God, if you don't have a revelation of Jesus, you have no wisdom. And then it says, you must come to the one who has living understanding. I want to read that to you again. You must come to the one who has living understanding. If you do not know God according to the Bible, you do not have wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom comes from God, and wisdom comes with God. With God you have wisdom if you listen to Him. Without God you have no wisdom. If you don't know God, you cannot have the wisdom that the Bible talks about. So do not confuse it with if the Dalai Lama comes and talks to you about wisdom, or if an atheist comes and talks to you about wisdom, Or if an Islamic scholar comes and talks to you about wisdom, do not confuse the wisdom that they're talking about with the wisdom that comes from the Bible. I want you to think about the world's wisdom. The world is a bunch of crackpots. Let me tell you something. You know, we asked a doctor in January 2020 about COVID-19. We were told that we were conspiracy theorists. We were told it's nothing, it's just the flu, it's just this, that, the next thing. Stop worrying about it. That was in January. Well, what happened thereafter? Later on, you see these same doctors. These same doctors who were all saying, ah, it's rubbish, it's nothing. Now you have to go visit them and they're in a hazmat suit. This is a few months later. I want you to think about, they all said masks don't work. Yep, in February, March, Masks do not save you from anything. In fact, if you went to the shops during level 5, Woolworths even had a sign up saying, our staff don't wear masks because the scientific studies show that it, it makes you more prone to getting infected than being safe. And now, yo, if you don't wear a mask, we want to arrest you because you are so, so, so irresponsible. You're going to kill everyone and in fact, hashtag killing granny. That's 2020 to 2021. So who of us knows what masks really do? We've all got our theories. The issue is we don't know, but neither does the world. At the end of the day, if you really trusted God, no matter what's going on with the virus, no matter what the reason is why people are dying, 
no matter why West Park is filled, no, no matter how much death is all around us, if you know God, you won't fear. But if you don't know God, you will fear. And then the Apostle Paul explained the difference between God's wisdom and the wisdom of, the, of man. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 6 to 16, he said, Yet, when I'm among mature believers, I do not speak with words of wisdom. So I'm going to just read that again. I've just read it all wrong. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. All the wisdom of this world is soon forgotten because it normally proves to be wrong. And that's not just with COVID. How many Manchester City fans told me that they were going to win the quadruple? And they got a triple loss and one win. Thank the Lord for the Premier League that they'd won two and a half years ago and that everyone else was too useless to beat them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have won. If there was a final, you Oaks would have lost. But... So where's the, where's the wisdom even there? And then in verse 7, it says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our gracious Lord. The world crucified Jesus with the world's wisdom. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. If you're connected with the Holy Spirit, He shows you the secrets of Almighty God. And then in verse 11, no one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak with words given us by the spirit, using the spirit's word to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these, these things, for we have the mind of Christ. What is wisdom? Wisdom is God's thoughts. Nothing more, nothing less. It's God's thoughts. When you know God's thoughts, you have wisdom. When you don't know God's thoughts, you don't have wisdom. And God's thoughts are important because He made everything. Therefore, He knows everything. And here's the thing He knows, which we could never know. God knows the future. He knows the future. And when the words we speak are the spoken words of God, the words we speak are powerful. When the words we speak are not the spoken word of God, our words are weak. Now, this wisdom Paul describes as being the mystery of God. It's the mystery of God because the wisdom of God is a mystery to the world. So God therefore reveals things to Christians that the world does not know. Please understand, 
the world is confused about God and what He wants to give us. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, it says, That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to us that God revealed these mighty things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God deep, God's deep secrets. I want you to do me a favor this week and go and listen to talk shows on the radio. And, you know, when people are phoning in and listen to people's opinions about everything on talk shows. You know what you're going to find in this modern age? Everyone can Google it. And then they can sound like they are an expert. And maybe you're all impressed with their knowledge, but the only advantage they had over you was five minutes ago they Googled it. And now they're telling you as if they're so wise. But I don't care where the world goes to for its knowledge because the world still thinks from a dead place. The world thinks from a place in the spiritual realm that is dead. And for all those caught in the world, the Word says their spirits are dead. If you were to go and put a, 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 you know, an instrument on their spirits and to, to see for some sign of life, it would flatline. And what is the problem with dead things and dead thinking? Well, dead things and dead thinking belong to a corpse. And I've never seen a corpse that can think. I don't know if anyone else has ever been to a funeral and gotten freaked out because the corpse at the funeral th thought. The corpse suddenly sat up in the middle of the, the funeral, said, you know, I was thinking, then says some awesome stuff and then lies down and dead again. And so, when a person doesn't have Jesus, in the spiritual realm, that person cannot think in the spiritual realm. Their thinking is only earthly and fleshly. And often, it's, it's, it, the, the, their thoughts are infused by the, the evil forces in the spiritual world. And so, the world cannot really think from a spiritual perspective because the world has never seen what God sees. And therefore, the world cannot see what God has planned for humanity. And the world cannot even fathom it. The world cannot even begin to imagine what God has planned for them. Because every single person that is alive on the earth today, God has a plan for their life. But the good news is there's an exclusive group of people that God has revealed this to. If you're, if, if you're in this group, then you're a part of the elite of eternity. God reveals what He sees and He reveals His thoughts by His Spirit. And everyone that has the Holy Spirit, if they listen to the Holy Spirit and they listen to the words of the Holy Spirit, they can see what God sees. And God wants you to see what He sees. I want to say that to you again. God wants you to see what He sees. And we can know God's thoughts. God's thoughts are not something He wants to keep secret. They're secret from us until we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. By our faith in Christ, all the mysteries are revealed to those who believe. To the world, the secrets of God are foolish. 
1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, but the people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. I want you to think about those words. The people who aren't spiritual, and yeah, we're not talking about spiritual as people will often talk about it today. You know, spiritual means you believe about something from the spiritual dimension. The spiritual, yeah, we're talking about those who have the Holy Spirit. Those who are washed by the blood of Jesus. The secrets of God can only be perceived in the spiritual dimension. If your spirit is dead, you cannot hear in the spiritual realm. If your spirit is dead, you cannot see in the spiritual realm because your spiritual eyes are dead. And the spiritual dimension is unknown to you. And then you can be taken in by something like ufology. You know UFOology? Ufology. You follow me? That was a joke. <laughs> if you're looking at the media, you just see UFO this, UFO that, Pentagon the next thing, Pentagon, Pentagon, Pentagram. There are certain scholars who look at all of these videos and they, they look at testimonies that people give of alien abductions because alien abductions are real. And the things people are seeing are real. Now when they look at all of these real things, scholars are coming not even necessarily from a biblical worldview. Many of them have come to a conclusion that the aliens in the alien abductions are interdimensional beings. They're not from this dimension. If they're not from this dimension, what we're talking about, they're not, they're, they're not from another planet. They're from another realm. They're from another place. Something outside of this universe. You know, some people that were abducted actually bound these aliens in the name of Jesus and applied the blood of Jesus. And the moment they did that, the aliens disappeared. And you know what the Bible word could be for an alien like that? It could be the word demon. Because demons, if you have faith, and you speak with faith, and you declare with faith that you bind these, the, a, a demon in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, that demon will flee. Unless you don't know Jesus, then he's going to bopper you on. But to the spiritually dead, there's only one place that these aliens can come from, and that's another planet. The interdimensional does not exist to an atheist. Yet the evidence when, when people really start going into it doesn't say that. Now from the word, there's two places that these aliens can come from in the spiritual dimension. They either come from heaven or they come from hell. And if they come from heaven, they're not going to abduct you. They're not going to prod you and do weird experiments on you. This sounds foolish to the world. And so instead people believe that we're all just a bunch of seriously mutated apes. That our ancestors were running around in the bushes going, hoo, 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 ha, ha, ha. But the secrets of God are foolishness to those who aren't spiritual. In Christ, your spirit is alive. In Christ, you, you can hear God. You know, in the Bible it says, He raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms 
because we are united with Christ Jesus. That comes from the book of, of Ephesians. And, and I want you to think about what that's saying. It says, He raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms because we're united in Christ Jesus. That means, as some of you have heard me say before, that your spirit right now, if you believe in Jesus, is seated in the heavenly realm along with Jesus. You're right there in the throne room of God. And that's why you can come before God with your prayers and He hears you because your spirit is there by the throne of God right now. Yes, you can't perceive it with your natural eyes. The Amplified actually puts it this way. And He raised us up together. He raised us up. He raised us up together with Him when we believed and seated us with Him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. Right now, right now, you are in eternity. Therefore, you are an interdimensional being. In Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, if you're willing to, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to read the Word, if you're willing to put the time in, you will gain understanding. And then you understand that the world thinks it sees, but they can't see what you see. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 15 says, Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Because the world does not know what the Spirit has revealed, they cannot see what the believer sees. They don't have spiritual eyes to see in the spiritual realm. And so they judge believers from a position of ignorance. Ignorance of an entire dimension. An entire dimension that exists that they know nothing about. The dimension which is where heaven is. The dimension of the Holy Spirit. The dimension of angels and demons. But the believers have spiritual eyes. This is why doing a devotion is so important. This is why spending time with God is so important. Because you have spiritual eyes. But if you're not reading the Word, if you're not praying, if you're not connecting with the Holy Spirit, your eyes are closed. And if you're walking through town like this, or walking through Eastgate or somewhere like this, then what? You may as well not have us. The heart of a believer is alive. And the eyes of the heart of the believers are open. And it is there where we see Him. And God wants to raise your mind up to a higher dimension. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, He says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? Who of us can teach God? You know, many of us want to teach God. We want to teach God what He should do. But it says, who, who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. How will God raise you up? He will raise you up when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, He will give you discernment. And the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And Paul said, who knows the mind of a man better than the spirit of a man? If you think about all the people that are in the service, whether online at a site or yeah, or at Henley or wherever. Who knows the mind of that person that's next to you better than that person? The answer is no one. It's them and it's God. No one else knows their mind. And Paul says it's exactly the same with God. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And that's why as believers, we have a new mind. We have the mind of Christ. 
Therefore, if we have received Jesus, and if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we know the Word. If we know the Word. In other words, we read the Word. In other words, the Bible, if you have a physical Bible, it's got markings in. And if you accept it as true. I heard a preacher, well, in fact, I've heard more than one say, I believe the whole Bible. I believe it from the table of contents until the maps. If you know the old-fashioned Bibles, because most of us now use version, But those book ones, at the beginning, it was the Holy Bible, whatever version, next page, table of contents. You know, if you don't know where the book is, you'd have to go find it there. And then at the end, there would be a whole lot of maps of ancient Israel. And Paul's missionary trips and all sorts of things. And the saying is, I believe the whole Bible from the table of contents until the maps. When you accept it as true, you've decided beforehand it's true. The Holy Spirit does something inside of you to build your faith. And we have the mind of Christ. Therefore, we know the Lord's thoughts. And this is what God is calling you to today. To a place where you know the Lord's thoughts. I want to tell you, the world has always been in fear. It just wasn't obvious before. Every time you're pondering and you're worrying about something, that's fear. And what that fear shows is that you trust something other than God. Your faith is in something other than God. Once we understand that, we start studying. Because if I go to God, and I go into my secret place, and I just maybe start praying in tongues, or I start singing a worship song, or I start praying, or I start reading the Word, and, and actually getting excited by the Word, and maybe shelving the problem and say, Lord, when I've connected with you, then I'm going to speak to you about this problem. I'm going to get wisdom from you as to how I must handle this thing. When we do that, everything changes. Our mind changes. And what goes into our minds comes from our ears and our eyes. What goes into our minds also comes from what we speak, what comes out of our mouths. Our mouths, our eyes, and our ears fill our mind with stuff. And I don't know if you've been watching, I've been watching that, my my wife thinks I'm like stupid for doing it, but I've been watching that volcano in Iceland. There's also a town, a fishing town in Norway. It's the northernmost fishing town in the world. I've been watching it through the winter. You know, you can watch that town now at midnight. The the sun's shining the same as if it's like 8 in the morning. It's quite incredible. I watch stupid stuff like that. And when we watch stupid stuff, one of the things I've been watching is that volcano in Iceland. And the stuff just comes out. You know what starts happening? It just seeps, seeps, and now it's gone down to a valley, and now it's headed towards a road, and they've got a whole lot of fiber lines there. You know, fiber? It's going to destroy all their fiber. And what happens is that the words that go into our mind, they like that volcano. And then lava comes out. You get this little volcano in your mind, yeah? And then it starts going, it starts filling your mind. Eventually, it goes over down into your heart. And your heart is the core of who you are. 
for your heart to be right, the first thing you have to do is you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because faith comes out of your heart. Faith is not something that makes sense. Faith is not rational. It's spiritual. And so your heart has to be cleansed first of all. And then after that, you've got to fill your mind with the Word of God. You've got to judge everything you hear by the Word of God. You've got to judge every decision you make by the Word of God. But how do you get that kind of faith? In Romans 10, 8 and 9, it says, but what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. The Word is near you. So, Everything that you have depends on the Word because out of the Word comes faith. And in Hebrews 11 verse 6 it says that without faith it is impossible to please God. We will look at this more in this series later. Without faith you cannot please God. And how do you get faith? You get faith from the Word. And what do you have to do to get that faith? You've got to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. You've got to confess it. And you've got to believe in your heart. You see, your salvation is dependent on what's in your heart. That's why you need your heart cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It's as simple as that. Jesus, your Lord, confess. In your heart, yes, you raised him from the dead. If I believe that God raised him from the dead to believe the crucifixion, the raising other people, the stopping the storms, all of those things is easy. The fact that he was raised from the dead, if I believe that, means everything else is true. means I trust him as my savior. And our eternal destiny is dependent on what we do with us. And so your eternal destiny is at stake and Maybe you're sitting there and God's saying, I want you to commit to me. Today, I want you to commit to me. And you're saying, no, no, I'll wait until later. Maybe you're sitting in a taxi listening to this. Maybe on a bus. And you're thinking, no, no, I'll I'll wait until I'm at home. Maybe you're here or at one of the sites or at Henley. You're thinking, no, I'll wait until I get home. But the Lord's saying to you, don't wait another day because you know what? you may never have this opportunity again. He's telling you to come now to the altar in front of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in front of the cross, because that altar sanctifies everything. It means it cleanses it. It means it makes it right. It means it puts it in a position that can serve God. And don't think you can have a more effective prayer life later. Now is the time. Now is the time. And I'm going to ask you to, to close your, your eyes, wherever you are. If, you, if you're listening on an audio and you're in some public place, just put your right hand on your heart. And I want you to realize what God's saying to you right now. Right now, God is saying to you, this is the time. I want to commit to you right now. I want to submit my life to you completely right now. I can't wait until later. Now is the time. Because you're saying to God, I don't know if I'll make it later. So I want to commit to you now because I never want to be far from you again. I want to live close to you from this day forward because I want to know 
that when it comes time and death comes to me, that my death won't affect me because I'll be with you and that I'm going to be with you for eternity. We're going we're gonna to pray to you. I'm going to ask everyone right now just to put your right hand on your heart. And I want you to visualize Jesus dying on the cross for you. I want you to visualize all of your sin, all of the debt that you have before Almighty God. I want you to see that it's lying at the foot of the cross of Jesus. The thing that you're about to do now, you, you're about to take a stick. It's called the branch. You're about to, to, to dip it in the blood of Jesus at the foot of the cross. And you're about to splash it all over. All of those things, all of those arguments that the enemy has to terrorize you with. And I want you to see everything being destroyed. And that as, as you're about to say this prayer, that from now on God sees you in this world as He sees Jesus. He sees you without your sin. He sees you cleansed. Not by your effort, but by the blood of Jesus. And there's an exchange taking place. You're giving Him your old messed up life. And He's giving you the life of Jesus. And that's real life. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me as we pray together. Those of you that have raised your hands, those of you sending the emails, mean this prayer and the Lord will save you. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. Because I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me clean of all my rebellion, all my sin, and that by that blood you would set me free from any sickness and any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid, that there's no outstanding balance, because you paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And that through the blood of Jesus, you see me as I've never sinned. And by your blood I'm sanctified. You have chosen me to serve you. And I want to serve you. And so today I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Capable of anything more powerful than all. Immortal, just loving King, my Lord. First born from the dead, first place in everything. You're the beginning and the end. Supreme in strength, your glory has no end. Before all things, in all things, we create Everything together Rich in glory, rich in love All things are yours now Head of the 
Jesus in everything. See, I go down. 